0: Let me pray, and then uh, we'll look into God's Word. God, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. It's not just an idea or a thought. We believe that He's real. He's here, and He's uh, fully alive, able to be fully alive in each one of us. So help us to, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. Let me ask this in your name. Amen. Here's the phrase for the day. Vini Sanctus spiritus. Anybody know what that means? It's Latin. You don't have to tell me. All right. Okay, there's also... Leave that up there. There's also a phrase, uh, Julius Caesar, vini vini vici. Spiritus, sanctus, holy, like sanctified, spiritus is spirit. So it's in Latin, and this is not a Latin lesson, but I'm, I'm telling you, rather than doing this, this says, "Come, Holy Spirit." So it's one of the most ancient prayers of the church. It's not necessarily exactly written that way in the Bible, but Veni Spiritus, Sanctus Spiritus, is one of the ancient prayers that "Come, Holy Spirit." So we're actually going to—that's that, going to be the, the overarching uh, theme today. Not in Latin; we're going to do it in English. So go to the next slide. So, this actually, this prayer, I just learned this this week. I was doing some stuff. This is actually a prayer of the church that's well over a thousand years old. Nobody knows exactly. There's different people think it was this person or that person, like in the 1000s, the 1100s. And that's before even the Reformation, so that's just when we were all one big church. But it was a prayer that people would have been taught and learned and recited in different forms. All right? This is called the Come Holy Spirit Prayer. If you Google it, you'll see it. Whether it's Lutheran or Episcopalian or Catholic, it shows up a lot. Um, This is a prayer that you and I, a thousand years ago, we would have been been taught in some form. Maybe like the Old Testament song. Um, So here's the prayer. I'm going to say it out loud with me, all right? Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within me the fire of your love. do it again. This time, put your hand over your heart, all right? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. It's a prayer inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. And we're going to look at that today like what? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in me the fire of your love. If, If you don't know how to pray for somebody, Even just the first line, come Holy Spirit, is a really good way to pray for somebody. Come Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. So we're going to just look at that prayer today, and we're going to look at different times in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit's talked about, and a couple times where it's related to fire. And we're going to keep coming back to this prayer. We're going to pray this, you know, half a dozen times this morning. Not simply in a rote way where we're like, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm around different I like to go different churches and different kinds of traditions. Sometimes when there are people who are repeating things they've learned, it it almost sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 it just sounds like the da, na da, 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 da. But if you think about what this prayer is asking for, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in me the fire of your love. That when you're if if God answers that prayer and the way we're praying it it will change it, it changes all of our lives it changes the world when you think about the Holy Spirit so let me just look, we're gonna look a couple passages first one uh, Matthew chapter three eleven this is where kind of maybe this prayer comes from some of these passages John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness he was uh, odd you know wore camel skins and but he preached repentance. And the Pharisees were coming out to hear him preach because they knew this guy was drawing a crowd. And the Pharisees came out, and John the Baptist was not super, super nice to them. This is what he said. I want to read this from this passage in Matthew 3. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that if you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're, we're safe, we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And this leads into the passage on the screen here. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and terms to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Read that out loud with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist is already saying one of the first mentions of the New Testament of the Holy Spirit in this sense that Jesus is going to come, he's going to baptize us, us, not just them back then, us, with water and with fire. So I don't know, but I'm guessing many of you have been baptized and it's not, that, it's not a magical thing, but something goes on. But says, you know, Jesus, Jesus wants to baptize us not just uh, the Holy Spirit, but with fire. And the fire in this case seems like it's a refining kind of thing. That, but it's, it's a refining thing in us, and then it spurs in us like the prayer we just looked at. It, it, it lights a fire in us of the love of God. So if we really are wanting the Holy Spirit to be involved in our lives, we're inviting the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're also inviting the fire of the Holy Spirit to do not just a refining work. That sounds like, oh, well, that sounds really harsh and hard. No, to refine so gives, and it's an empowering work because fire is not just to refine things. It also gives life and energy to things. So John says, you know, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. That's what Jesus comes, that's what he wants to do in all of our lives, all right? So next slide, we're going back to that prayer. Let's pray it again with me. Hand over your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. Do, we really, do I really mean that when I pray that? Cause do, I, do I want that? Do I want the fire of God's love in me that refines me but also then enlivens me? Then we jump to Acts chapter 2. This is where the Holy Spirit shows up quite a bit. Acts chapter 2. God's, the disciples and others were in, a, were in a room because Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem yet. This is right after he had ascended into heaven, after 40 days of being on the earth after his resurrection. They're huddling in the a room because Jesus said, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere yet. Wait until you're going to receive power from on high. And again, we're going to see here how the Spirit and fire come together. So they're there. They weren't sure exactly what they were waiting for. They knew they were supposed to wait, and Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. It was a thing they didn't fully understand, just like you and I don't always fully understand it. And as they were praying, Scripture tells us this from Acts chapter 2. This mighty rushing wind... Like they heard this noise, almost like a storm or a train coming. And then scripture says, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So fire and spirit here. Read this out loud with me. Here we go. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Most of you don't pay attention, maybe you do, to the color of tablecloths. This is green, because in the, in the rhythm of church calendar year, and it's not a biblical thing, but it's kind of a rhythm, of different centuries. This is called ordinary time. We're in the green time, it's ordinary time. And then if you notice, if you're around during the, the weeks after Easter, when it becomes Pentecost week, it gets changed to red. Kind of the fire of the Holy Spirit but the red tablecloth is always available every single day of the year for each one of us, right? The Holy Spirit is always available to us. It's not like, I'm sorry, this is ordinary time. We talk about the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, but this tells us that on the Pentecost Sunday, the first Pentecost Sunday, that there was like this supernatural event where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it looked like tongues of fire. That is the core. That was the birthplace of the church, of us. Every church that follows Jesus, whether they're you know, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Orthodox, if they follow Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus is there, we can all trace our birthplace as the church back to this particular time. Because there was something going on. Jesus said, wait, there's going to be power. And then there's this language they hadn't learned, so supernatural fire, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. In this case, they ended up speaking in language they hadn't learned, so supernatural things happen when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Which for some of us, myself included, can be a little bit of a fearful thing. Like I don't know what's going to happen. But we want that, right? We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So once again, put your hands on your heart. Next slide. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. We've already seen that Matthew, Paul, or John the Baptist talks about. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then we see at Pentecost, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Not only did it speak in other languages, but they got the attention of the world around them because they knew something was going on. Most people thought they were drunk, right? But nonetheless, Paul, then Peter gets up and says, no, they're not drunk. This is what the Old Testament talks about when, Jesus said he's, when God said he's going to pour out his spirit on people. And I'm saying this again, we're not simply just saying them now, them then, we're saying us now, that Jesus always wants to pour out his spirit on us. Next passage, we're just going to jump through the book of Acts. So in this one is Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had just gotten back from being harshly interrogated by the Pharisees. Peter and John had gone on their way to the temple one day. There was a man who was lame, always begging for money. They probably saw him every day. Peter stops and looks at him and says, "I look at me. I don't have money for you. Silver and gold have I, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does. The scripture says not only did he walk, he jumped and danced. It's a supernatural thing. So they get interrogated. Peter and John get called in. And what's interesting is, when if you read the passage, they're not, the Pharisees aren't mad that they healed the guy. They're not mad about that at all. What are they mad about? They're mad that he healed them in the name of the resurrected Jesus. They're mad about their teaching about Jesus. They weren't mad about their good works. They said, you need to stop teaching that Jesus resurrected from the dead. This would have been like just a few months prior Jesus died and was resurrected. So they were not, they weren't mad. They, sh- they didn't say you shouldn't heal this guy. They said, don't talk about Jesus. And a quick aside, our, our culture today is the same way. They don't mind if we do good deeds, but if you do them in the name of Jesus, then it becomes like, well, no, can we leave Jesus out of this? So that's really what their challenge was to Peter and John. So they didn't know what to do. They threatened them. Don't ever teach in his name again. Of course, we realized that was kind of a vain threat, because they don't ever teach in his name again, and they go. So Peter and John go back to the, this house where people were gathered to pray, and you would think in some cases people would be like, well, you know, of heat's kind of hot now. Let's lay low for a while because they're kind of on us. They're threatening us. We don't know what to do. No, they, they went there, and they said they all prayed, and it said they lift their voices to God, so I'm assuming it was a loud prayer time. They had just gotten back from being threatened. Don't ever do this again. So they, they prayed God, you hear these threats. Give us. They actually prayed. Give your servants great boldness. I mean, you guys were just threatened. They could kill you. They killed Jesus. They could kill you. No, we're going to pray for more boldness. We're not going to cower. And then after they prayed, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So the Holy Spirit says. Fire. Jesus with the Holy Spirit with fire. And then at Pentecost, tongues of fire, supernatural things happen. Now they pray in the midst of incredible threat and intimidation. And they say, give us great boldness. And the Holy Spirit gives them great boldness. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Before, before Jesus was dead and resurrected, he talked about the Holy Spirit being with us. But he said, but he will be in you. Jesus changes his preposition. With you, after the resurrection, is, he's now the Holy Spirit's in you. So that's how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are given great boldness. So go back to this prayer again, because now when we pray this prayer, we realize what we're asking is the fire of his love, but we're also asking that he might give us boldness in the face of intimidation and fear and not wanting to be seen as the weird people, Right? So hands on your heart again. Let's pray this again. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. Kindle within me the fire of your love, which will show itself in boldness, strength in the face of fear, courage in the face of intimidation. I mean, it's it, be honest. It's hard to bring up Jesus in any conversation, not in a forced way, but it's easier to talk about God and religion and I am a person of faith. But when you say to people, I'm a follower of Jesus, like I said before, it changes. The air in the room changes because people, if they're not followers of Jesus, it's a little, you know, bells start ringing. You talk about my religion. You can talk about my faith. You can even say I'm a Christian But you start talking about you're a follower of Jesus and it changes things because the name of Jesus is is both offensive and incredibly powerful. So when you were asking, come Holy Spirit, fill me, kindle in me fire, we're asking also for boldness in the face of fear, boldness in the face of threats and intimidation. Next passage, we've got two more. Acts chapter 5. Peter and the apostles again were called in on the carpet by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and again they were threatened. I'm skipping one of the stories where they were uh, flogged. So they weren't just yelled at, they were flogged, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they seemed to kind of keep going. But in this case, they were... They were called back to the Pharisees again and threatened and the the Pharisees were like again, well you guys i 'm using this is paraphrase you have to stop talking about Jesus. we are threatening you again. you have to stop talking about Jesus because they, they this it 's actually funny if you read the passage this is Acts chapter five, so said so they were they were out in the uh, some area in the courtyard teaching about Jesus, all the apostles, Peter and the apostles. And so the Pharisees put them in jail because they were like, they can't. We got to get them stopped. Put them in jail for the night. Said so at the nighttime, an angel unlocked the prison, and they got out. And the next morning, where were they? Hiding? Letting the smoke clear? No, they were back in the square, Jerusalem, preaching again. Pharisees didn't know that. Well, they 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 all assemble the next morning with their fancy robes and. They say, now bring the prisoners in here. We want, to, we want to talk to them again. And the guard comes back and says, um, they're gone. Well, where are they? Uh, they're actually back doing what you told them not to do yesterday. And so they finally bring them in again to talk to them. They finally get them in there. And Peter just tell, tells them, we can't stop talking about Jesus. He tells them the story, which these Pharisees would have known. It just happened months before. We've seen his miracles. We've seen the power of God in him. We saw him die, and we've also seen him since he'd been resurrected. So they tell the story of Jesus, which is the gospel. The gospel is the story of Jesus. All right, It's the story of Jesus. So you tell the story of Jesus, you're telling the gospel. Some people say, well, I've got to tell them the plan of salvation. First and foremost, tell them the story of Jesus. That's the gospel, right? So he tells them the story of Jesus. And then Peter says, and when he's telling all this, he says to the Pharisees, and this is in front of these guys who could kill them and arrest them and who actually had flogged them. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit. Now read this last part with me. Who is given by God to those who obey him. So there is, you might say, wait, wait, there's a condition? I thought the Holy Spirit just would pour out on people. No, the Holy Spirit is poured out on people Peter says this. Jesus even said this in one of his prayers. He's given to those who obey him. Because when we obey him, the vessel of our souls is completely open for whatever God wants to pour into you. But he's given to those who obey. So when people say, and I love, I love worship songs that talk about, you know, come Holy Spirit. Um, there was a song, maybe some remember this. I used this song to start off the service when we were trying to start at 1030 Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. You probably even remember because you were never on time anyway. But, that, but it, was, it was a song. But it, and I love that song. And I've been in situations where they sing it and people sing it with great sincerity. And that's great. I love that kind of song. But the Holy Spirit is not poured out on people who sing with great intensity and sincerity. He's poured out on people who do what? Who obey Him. You can pray and sing all you want I had a who tell me one time about one of their friends. Oh, he's, he's a really good Christian. He sleeps with his girlfriend, but he's a really good Christian. And I just said, that's not possible. You can't say he's a real good follower of Jesus, and he sleeps with his girlfriend. The Holy Spirit doesn't fall on anybody who is willingly balking at God. So the Holy Spirit comes across upon those of us who obey him. So go to the next slide again. We're going to do this again. Now, let me just stop for a second here, too. Because when we say, come Holy Spirit, it's an invitation. So, who's, who's, Sadie, having, a super, who's having a Super Bowl party tonight? Anybody? Nobody. What a, what a boring church. Anyway. No, but if I, okay, let's say I just show up at Aaron and Sadie's house. Uninvited. It's a little awkward. They're awkward. I'm awkward. So, to some degree, the Holy Spirit wants to be invited. We might say, well, I'll just wait until he shows up. And there are times in the Bible where he shows up almost unexpected. But there's something about the Holy Spirit. Who the Scripture tells us he's one of the persons of the Trinity, so he's a person. He wants to be invited. He's not going to just show up at your party if you don't invite him. So this prayer that the church has prayed for over a thousand years is basically it's an invitation to the Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. Alright? Hands on your hearts. Pray this again. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. One more passage. This is in Ephesians 5. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he tells them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, And you, if you're like me, I used to think, wait a minute, I thought we were... If they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost... They were filled with the Holy Spirit when they prayed after the Pharisees threatened them. They're filled with the Spirit, they're filled with the Spirit. Why is Paul then telling us to be filled with the Spirit? Aren't we already filled? I mean, aren't we? It's like, well, what? I had a professor in seminary, a really, really, really godly man, and I mean that in the best possible terms. And because there are some traditions, some churches will say, Well, you're filled with the spirit. There are some church traditions, good intentions, Jesus followers, who say, well, you need a second blessing. You need to pray for the second filling, a second blessing of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled again, and that's often when they would say supernatural things start happening in your life. And somebody asked this professor, do you believe in the second blessing, in the second filling of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I believe in the second blessing and the third and the fourth filling and the fifth and the sixth he said i need to be filled all the time because we leak so we're, we're we're imperfect humans we have great intentions and we're obeying in a lot of ways but he said you know we always need more of the holy spirit there's always more always more so you might say well i'm a follower of jesus i've been filled with the spirit yeah you are but the more you grow the more the the water pitcher of your soul grows so more and more can be filled into that space. So the more you grow, the more the Spirit can go in you. The more you grow, the more Spirit can go in you. So this particular passage here, Paul's—he actually pre- preludes this, but don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And he's not—he's not knocking wine. He's saying, don't let your—you know—joy and all that lack—you know—that don't don't find your joy in that. Be filled with the Spirit. And the, the tense of the verb is, you could translate this verse this way. Let yourselves be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, a, it's an active part on your part to let yourselves be filled. I can keep the lid on the vessel of my soul, or I can let myself be filled. And putting the lid on it is often different obstacles or things we're doing or things we don't we're fear or whatever. But when Paul says, let yourselves be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, and then shortly after that, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You become those kind of people when you let yourself be continually filled with the Spirit. And those kind of people change the world. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Those kind of people change the world. You and I can change the world. We can change our neighborhoods, we can change our marriages, our families, we can change places where we work because the Holy Spirit's in us. Not because we're moral people, not because we vote the right way. That's not going to change the world. What changes the world when people of God, ordinary people of God, who live an ordinary time and ordinary life, are filled with the Holy Spirit and kindled with the fire of his love inside of us. And that's who changes the world. Go to the next slide. This time, stand up with me. We're going to do the same prayer. Hand on your heart. Repeat after me. Here we go. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within me the fire of your love. One more time. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle inside of me your love. So, Jesus, we do pray. I pray, not only for myself, but I pray for all of us. Would you fill the hearts of your faithful? Holy Spirit, would you fill the hearts of these people here today? Paul and Aaron and Doug and Stephanie these are your faithful people so Holy Spirit would you fill our hearts and would you kindle in hearts of Johnny and Liz and all of us would you kindle inside of us the fire of your love and we know in praying for that and asking for that we're we're asking for trouble but we also know you give us boldness We're asking not necessarily just for trouble, but for discomfort. But in the discomfort, we find life. In the discomfort, we find joy, because that's where you show up with us. So, Jesus, I do pray for myself, for each one here, for all the kids upstairs or downstairs, wherever they are. Would you fill the hearts of those of us, your faithful people? And would you do it over and over again? And would you kindle inside of us the fire of your love? So not only we would experience your love in ways we haven't experienced before, but out of that we become this contagious aroma of Jesus to others around us who are totally confused by why we are like we are and who we are. We want to be... uh, fueled by the fire of your love inside of us. We don't want to be weird people. We don't want to be religious people. We want to be people who are kindled with the fire of the love of Jesus inside of us. So as we go to work tomorrow, as we interact with total strangers, maybe today or tomorrow, wherever we're going to store with the love of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus inside of us, be evident in ways that we don't even fully understand. So we love you, Jesus, um, Holy Spirit. We do welcome you. Um, we're going to send. We want to send you a standing invitation to come whenever you want to come in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationship with our friends, in our relationship with our enemies. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us and kindle inside of us uh, the fire of your love? We ask this on your name, Jesus. Amen.